The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, November 30th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. An update on the mysterious monolith in Utah. The plant-based seafood companies vying to become the fishy equivalent of Beyond Meat. And some tips for socializing outside during the cold winter months. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. All right, starting today with an update on the monolith. You know, the monolith, the silver column that was discovered in the middle of a deserted cove in Utah by government officials last week. Well, first, despite the state of Utah not wanting to say exactly where it was so that amateur hikers wouldn't injure themselves trying to get to it, the internet was, of course, able to locate it. And some folks used Google Earth's historical imaging data to determine that the monolith has apparently been there since at least 2015 or 16. The monolith was located near the filming sites for several movies and TV shows, including Westworld, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and 127 Hours. So the going theory now is that it was some type of prop at one point, or maybe placed there by a crew member for who knows what reason. And I specifically said was located, because it's gone. Just completely vanished. Here's what Utah's Bureau of Land Management said in a statement, quote, We have received credible reports that the illegally installed structure referred to as the monolith has been removed from Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, public lands by an unknown party. The BLM did not remove the structure, which is considered private property. We do not investigate crimes involving private property, which are handled by the local sheriff's office. The structure has received international and national attention, and we received reports that a person or group removed it on the evening of November 27th. End quote. According to the Associated Press, several parties, including the Salt Lake Tribune, have, against the Department of Public Safety's wishes, traveled to the site and verified that it is indeed gone. Quoting the AP, Spencer Owen of Salt Lake City said he saw the monolith Friday afternoon and camped in the region overnight, but as he hiked to the area again on Saturday, people passing him on the trail warned him it was gone, the Tribune reported. When he arrived at the spot, all that was left was a triangular piece of metal covering a triangular-shaped hole in the rocks. Ricardo Marino and his girlfriend Sierra Van Meter were traveling from Colorado to California on Friday and decided to stop and see the object after finding the GPS coordinates online. On the way, they passed a long bed truck with a large object in the back, and he said he joked, Oh look, there's the Utah monolith right there. When they arrived at the spot, it was gone. End quote. So maybe it was in that truck. In an Instagram post, Marino alleges that in the monolith's place was an inappropriate message written in the dirt and, quote, a fresh pea stain. According to The Guardian, ever since it disappeared, visitors have been stacking rocks in its place. I don't know if we'll ever know what happened to it, why it was there, who took it. Maybe it'll pop up on eBay soon. 
What a strange, strange story. Beyond Meat, The Impossible Burger, the upcoming McPlant from McDonald's, the plant-based meat industry is expanding rapidly, but so far has been mostly based on beef and a bit of poultry. But now, companies like Good Catch are hoping to leave their mark with plant-based seafood. Like plant-based beef companies, the seafood ones are also trying to push back against an industry rife with environmental, animal, and human rights abuses. As far as the animals go, it's not just the fish that people are eating that die. Quoting outside, There's bycatch, other animals unintentionally caught and killed in nets. About 40% of the fishing industry's combined haul is bycatch, a total of 63 billion pounds per year. That carnage includes an estimated 650,000 marine mammals, a million seabirds, 8.5 million sea turtles, and 10 million sharks. In the Indian Ocean, more than 80% of the original dolphin population, 4 million animals, has been killed in tuna nets. End quote. So, there are a number of companies trying to break through with plant-based seafood, some using plant-based recipes and others working in labs to make cellular seafood. Let's start with the plant-based ones. A pouch of Good Catch's fish-free tuna is made, quote, using a blend of six legumes, soybeans, peas, chickpeas, fava beans, lentils, and navy beans, with some algal oil and seaweed powder mixed in for real seafood taste. At $5 for a 3.3-ounce portion, it's pricier than canned tuna, but not exactly a budget buster, end quote. The reviewer at Outside said it was firm and chewy, something tough to achieve in plant-based alternatives. And while that reviewer was a fan, what's more surprising is how the business side of plant-based seafood is evolving right now. Plant-based seafood companies saw a bump this year as the pandemic pushed people to buy shelf-stable food. That and the rising tide of all plant-based alternatives across the board have helped them out. But Good Catch specifically may be poised to become the next Beyond Meat thanks to an unlikely partnership with Bumblebee Foods, aka the international brand behind most cans of tuna. Good Catch says they were preparing for a fight against the tuna giant and were shocked when Bumblebee actually reached out to them to partner in distributing Good Catch to more stores. In a statement, Jan Tharp, the CEO of Bumblebee, said, quote, It's critically important that as an industry, we continue to find innovative solutions to decouple growth with environmental impact. Providing great-tasting alternative ways for consumers to enjoy ocean-inspired foods is a key pillar of our long-term commitment to ocean health. End quote. Besides tuna, Good Catch and other companies are also trying to crack crab, shrimp, and even fishes typically used for sushi. Companies like Thinless Foods and Blue Nalu are going the cellular aquaculture route, and here's how that works, quoting outside again. In animals, muscle cells are supplied with a stream of nutrients delivered by the circulatory system, but those cells can be grown in a tank if they're bathed in a broth of the same nutrients, along with hormone-like growth factors that tell them how to develop. This is the idea behind lab-grown meat, and it's been achieved with various species of fish as well. End quote. There are a lot of roadblocks still, though. Microbial contamination is tough to control, the texture and taste sides of things aren't quite there yet, and mostly it's super expensive and energy-intensive. But Jennifer Jacquet, a professor of environmental studies at New York University, says it's too early to write it off entirely. 
Choquet points out that if cellular aquaculture was given government subsidies like the meat, dairy, and seafood industries are, they might be able to develop more quickly and at scale. I do think we'll continue hearing a lot more about this, as Outside points out, quote, The industry is still tiny, but sales of plant-based foods have surged 29% in the past two years, compared with just 4% overall for U.S. retail foods, and many expect the category to follow the arc of plant-based milks, which now account for 14% of all retail milk sales. End quote. Maybe one day in the future, we can have a meal that looks and tastes just like it did when we were kids. Burgers, fish fingers, a glass of milk, but with absolutely none of it containing animal products. Alright, so this one was a quick link over on Kaki.org this past weekend that I wanted to dive into a bit more because I think it is chock full of practical takeaways. Bloomberg spoke to several experts for tips on tolerating social activities in the cold winter weather while we follow official guidance not to gather indoors with people outside of our households. First, Scott Oath, the founder of Bull Moose Patrol and a seasoned cold-weather adventurer, advises learning about the science of keeping warm before investing in any fancy gear. Quoting Bloomberg, The body is constantly producing heat and dispersing it to regulate our internal temperature, a natural process called radiation. It's designed for a tropical environment, so if the outside air temperature is lower than that, you're constantly losing heat, Oath says. The key to staying warm, then, is easy. Just retain that heat. But it's a balancing act. Evaporation of water through the skin, or sweating, is another way the body naturally cools down, so getting too warm is risky. The body also loses heat through convection and conduction, meaning exposure to the chilly wind or a cold object like the freezing ground can create a rapidly chilling effect. Then there's the constriction of blood vessels in response to the cold, an insulation mechanism that's designed to redistribute body heat from the surface of the skin to our core. That explains why our fingers and toes are vulnerable to frostbite. And while hand and toe warmers offer a temporary fix, Oath says it's better to understand how to mitigate this loss by better protecting the rest of the body. End quote. So, protecting the rest of the body, clothing should be loose to allow for blood flow. And the age-old advice of dressing in layers so that you can adjust to changes in temperature, either the weather or yourself, is key. There's a rule to those layers, though. The innermost one should be good for wicking moisture away, like thermal underwear. The middle layer should be insulating, like wool or fleece. And the outer layer should block out the wind, rain, or snow. And try to apply this even to your hands with thick mittens over thinner gloves. And don't forget a hat. You only lose about 10% of your body heat through your head, not most of your body heat as is sometimes thought, but 10% is still a lot, and it's easily mitigated by throwing on a hat and, you know, keeping your face mask on. Face masks were pretty annoying in the hot, humid dog days of summer, but they have a new use in keeping our faces warm this season. Oath also recommends mindfulness. Acknowledge any discomfort you're feeling, find a solution for it if you can, such as getting up and moving around, fueling your body with food, or adding and removing clothing, but don't fixate on it if there's nothing to be done. Especially if you're not used to spending long periods of time outdoors in the cold, it can take a while to adjust psychologically, but it is possible. And while I know my friends and I have thus spent most of our cold evenings outside together just sitting around and drinking— Pro tip from me, not the real pros, thermoses full of warm beverages really help. 
But apparently, what helps even more is getting up and moving around. Who knew? So see if you can plan activities that are actually, you know, activities. Hiking, walking, anything that'll keep you moving and your mind distracted a bit from the cold. But if you are sitting in one spot for a while, because let's be real, that's what most of us are going to be doing, insulate yourself from the cold ground or the chair that you might be sitting on by bringing a blanket or a cushion. That way you aren't bleeding away precious core heat into, say, a cold metal bench. And finally, snack away. Quoting again, You need something with high calorie content to enable the body to produce metabolic energy. So think fats and sweets, hot cider and cocoa, fistfuls of candy and s'mores, and if you're from Wisconsin, bratwurst. When we're doing winter camping, we feed people regularly, with snacks at every hour, he says. Fats have a lot of energy in them, and protein has a thermogenic effect as it's being digested that helps warm the body. You also need to be well hydrated, he adds, because it takes a lot of water to digest, end quote. And on the note of hydration, while warm drinks are good, alcohol should only be used in moderation, because it can dehydrate you. Plus, while it does give you a boost of warmth, that boost rapidly cools and then lowers your core body temperature. So maybe don't make a hot toddy your first line of defense against the cold. That said, hopefully these tips help you out a bit, because as important as it is to continue to keep our distance from folks not in our household, it will also be a very long winter if we can't see anyone else. Hanging out outside in the cold is tough, but with the right strategy and the right mindset, you can make it work. That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go construct an altar to our new god, the Monolith. I hope you all had a great start to your week, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.